Blog Talk Radio. so bad um sorry Thank a little panic trying to get us back on the air so i i can't say that um i remember exactly where you left off but we we're talking ratings and and raw and what's wrong with it and your million replays so uh i'll let you collect yourself and then continue on with your eloquent point all right well First off, Blog Talk Radio, thanks for interrupting me in mid-sentence. I understand that I was out last week and had the flu, but you don't have to take this away from me again, okay? That's first and foremost. But the point I was trying to make here was was that, you know, back in 97, they had that le- record low rating. I don't know how many million or lack thereof viewers watched Raw, but that was the episode where, like, they all decided that they needed to change the presentation of Raw. Um and that's where they—that's where the Titantron came came about, um, and and the the new look. They they wanted to compete with WCW and and Nitro's look, and they did. They did new music. They did a whole new setup, the way Raw was presented, and it it really started to help them turn the corner and at least get noticed, and that they were they were in the game. Now WWE doesn't really have anybody to compete with, but. I just think that the presentation of the show, all the pay-per-views look the same with the exception of WrestleMania um, in, in terms of the look with the set, the lighting, all the other stuff. I just think a lot, I think the presentation of the product needs to change a little bit. And I haven't personally watched any of Lucha Underground, but I think they're at least making the, the right steps into presenting pro wrestling in a different light, but in a more believable light. And... Um, at least right now they have been. I don't know what they're what they're planning on doing in the future with the space alien theme that they've been talking about, but um, I just think the product needs a shakeup, some fresh ideas, some fresh faces, okay? John Cena, who's your biggest guy on the roster practically, the biggest star you have, he's out for six weeks. This is the opportunity for you to showcase, you know, guys that are over that the audience loves in in, in – See if they got what it takes to carry the ball. I mean, Cesaro, unfortunately, has gotten hurt. Um, but, you know, you got a guy like Dean Ambrose, like, I don't know. I just think that, like, they're to me, the, the product is stagnant, and it just needs a fresher up. It, it, it really does. And with, with some fresh faces, they've been using some newer talent, okay, but I think that they've been still relying on a lot of the older talent. And I think that's because they've been – I wouldn't say holding back some of the newer talent, but not not really giving them the creative freedom to get themselves over and and develop their character. It's more like WWE puts a character and slaps it on a guy and says, this is going to be you. Well, if that guy doesn't believe in that character, it's not going to translate well across the television screen. And I think that's what we're seeing and what we've been seeing for a long time with WWE. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, and, and it's not a quick fix. I mean, I, I think, you know, you hit you hit on a lot no. of great points. It's You know, the, the, philosophically, they got to look to change their approach to certain things. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, they, they slap a character on you. They slap an, an entrance. They give you some music. And, um, you know, unless you're a trained actor who can really just, uh, all right, that's the character I have to play, um, if there's not part of that character that resonates true to you, uh, it, it's going to come off as plastic. It's going to come off as fake, and, and the, the crowd, whether it be face or heel, is, is not going to respond to it. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I agree with you. I mean, when you look at the roster right now, I mean, with guys like Cesaro and, and Orton and Rollins, you know, all down with injuries and, and Cena out for six weeks, um, you know, it, it it might be time to uh, – you know, give someone the ball and see if they can run with it. Um, but I think, you know, that that's something, you know, again, not getting into it. There's not a quick fix. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of, you know, you know, people, wrestling fans, you know, it's uh, they get into the, their guys, you know, they, they you know, Owens is, is popular. It's, uh, you know, well, why can't they push Owens? Well, just because just like Owens winds up getting pushed does not necessarily mean it's going to fix what's wrong with, with programming. Um, again, getting back to Jim Cornette and what he said, uh, that whole idea of uh, going from simulating a fight to exhibiting a performance, um, you know, I think that's part of the problem. Uh, you know, you can you can move people up and give them that chance to carry the ball, but uh, if there's a certain philosophy on how you're doing things, I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be good uh, for certain people. Um, you know, those of us who grew up as wrestling fans, uh, again, it was simulating a fight. Um, and a lot of the best things that happened in pro wrestling were just two guys that didn't like each other, and it wasn't surrounding a title. Uh, it was it was about just two guys who wanted to get at each other, who wanted to tear each other apart, and and, and you don't get that you know as much of that, and you get a lot of fans that you know it's amazing to me how you hear fans who legit say, and I get where they're coming from, but will legitimately say. You know, oh, my God, I can't believe they're not using Owens. You know, why can't they move him up? And he's got the IC title. And, and, and you know, maybe that, that the part of the problem is that, you know, the mid-card, you know, has almost been looked at now as, as you know, a, a lower tier. And, and I get it that it kind of is. But, you know, growing up for, for us as wrestling fans, you know, for me as a kid, I, I never looked at, you know, Jimmy Snuka and was like, oh, God, why isn't he getting his shot? They're burying Jimmy Snuka. I enjoyed Jimmy Snuka where he was. He had good programs going. He was he was great in the ring. Uh, he brought an intensity. Um, I really didn't care whether he was the first match, the third match, or the last match. I enjoyed watching Jimmy Snuka. I, you know, I never saw, you know, Tito Santana with the IC title and be like, well, I hope he gets the heavyweight title soon. And no, I, I like Tito where he was. You know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, guys were, were good and they, and they had good programs and they, they, they developed storylines. And, you know, guys, you know, whether it was a title or, or just two guys who just didn't like each other, um, you had substantial storylines. And to your point, Dave, the funny thing is that, you know, back in the day, you didn't have as much programming. And, and WWE went to three hours. A three-hour raw, and and rather than taking those three hours and thinking, all right, let's take these three hours, let's really, really develop some storylines here, let's delve into some characters, 
let's let's give us like let's let's really enrich the mid card and and give the give the mid card some meaning uh some focus no they've taken those three hours and and they've they've stuck it chock full of replays and redos and uh, you know, I mean, replays that happened like three seconds ago. And it's it's just, I, I don't know what, what they're doing. I mean, there was times that we were growing up, Dave, where the, the IC title rivaled the WWE title as far as popularity and importance. Um, and that would never happen nowadays. So I, I think that there's, you know, the, the problem is systemic. Um, the problem is philosophical. And I don't know. Um if it's fixable, I don't know if it's fixable as far as Vince McMahon. I don't know if it's something that once Vince goes, that we're going to see Triple H kind of change things up. And I don't think it's something that's going to happen overnight. I think there's something, Dave, that we're going to have to see evolve over time. But this is not a quick fix. To me, this is something that they got to go back to the drawing board, and, and they got to look at a lot of what they're doing. And if not at least, you know, if not wholesale changes – they got to make a series of tweaks across the board. Well, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you that this is going to be a long-term process if this is something that's entertaining. Uh, you know, to, to, to your point that you made about the programming, you know, back then there wasn't a whole lot of programming, but back then uh, not every guy on the roster was on TV every week. You know, you it was almost like the whole, uh, you know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. If you if you didn't if you saw one guy one of your favorites one week you didn't see him the following week um, you may have waited a month to see him uh, like we talked about you know last year the champ wasn't on the show every week um, it was a one hour show but the champ wasn't on the show every week I mean it's a different time and I think too you know you talk about developing storylines I think it, I think this started you know in the mid nineties where when both companies were competing with each other where you had to have all your top guys and all your top stars on your show in order to get people to watch. And you would just, people, fans wanted like quick results. They wanted, if two guys had a beef with each other, they wanted to see them fight the next week. Otherwise it was a letdown. And they don't really let things like slowly develop and, and burn. And a lot of things nowadays on TV just seem very thrown together, very formula, uh, you know, kind of go, sticking with the same formula. Um, so I think that you know it's it's going to take a, a long term fix. But what's hurt them, in my opinion, more than anything, is the fact that like I'm not saying that they haven't developed talent because I think they have developed some talent to a certain degree. But I don't. But the talent that they've developed over the last five years or so, I wouldn't put them on par with with, with stars of yesteryear. And I think what's hurt them is the fact that they have taken guys from the past and have use them to help sell pay-per-views and use them to to, re, to rely on them to, to to get people to watch their shows. Names like The Rock, names like Chris Jericho, names like The Undertaker and, 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 and Brock Lesnar, these names from yesteryear that still do a great amount when they are around on TV, um, you're putting them in the main spotlight, which I guess you could uh, – I might talk out of both sides of my mouth on this subject. It's good on one hand, but it's bad on the other. Because in five or ten years from now, you're not going to see Undertaker at a WrestleMania every year. You're not going to see The Rock coming back each year for WrestleMania to make an appearance or a match. Brock Lesnar might not be. So who are you going to? Who are these past stars from yesteryear? 
are you going to see at future WrestleManias going forward? And, and, and you, as a fan, look at them as, you know, big names from the past. I can't see anybody right now that I would look at and say, like, oh, it's a huge deal that he's going to be at WrestleMania. Like, we talk about with names like The Rock and Shawn Michaels and all of them appearing at these WrestleManias. So I think that's hurt them in a way that they've put so much focus and attention on getting viewers and competing with other avenues of entertainment by bringing these big names from the past that it's almost kind of pushed away the talent that they currently have on the roster that's their day-to-day and have made them just seem, I don't know, less less appealing. Well, I mean, the, the bottom line is is how you know how can it not be? And again, philosophically, you know, it's one thing. I mean, go back. Go, let's go back to WrestleMania one. You know, um, yeah, Bruno San Martino was there. He was not a focal point. The focal point was the talent of the day, and you get a little nostalgic pop with uh, Bruno, you know, on the card, or or at least he got involved in his son's match, uh, David San Martino, but. You know, he wasn't a focal point. And, and, you know, in the fans' in the fans' mind, what you're saying is, you know, all right, we'll, we'll, we're going to basically, you know, it, it's almost like, and, and I'm, I don't mean any disrespect to the performers uh, and the wrestlers that are there right now. I, I don't mean, but I, I feel like philosophically what the WWE is telling you, we'll feed you this slop week in and week out. And they're, they're refer- I'm, and I'm referring to the slop as, as the guys who are there day in and day out. The WWE almost treats them as this is the slop that we're going we're gonna to feed it to you week in and week out. But the pay-per-views, we're going to bring filet mignon. And filet mignon, what we consider filet mignon is the Undertaker, is the Rock, is, is those guys of yesteryear. And it does, like subconsciously, it just tells the fans, that the guys right now are just not as big a deal as these stars of yesteryear. And, and you know, one of the questions, and I want to hear from you guys. I want you to give us a call, 347-838-9815. And I'll leave it on this before we go to break. One of the things I continue to think about when I look at the WWE and I look at pro wrestling right now, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an adult. I, I'm older. Dave, we're both older. We've been fans for a long period of time. Uh, when these Legends of the Rings things come up, these festivals come up, you know, I'll fork over my, my hard-earned dollars to go and meet a Jimmy Snuka, to meet a, a Don Morocco, to, to shake hands with a Ric Flair, with a Hulk Hogan, uh, even the mid-carters, you know, a Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, you know, essentially a mid-carter in the WWE, uh, a Ricky Steamboat. Um, you know, I, I will, you know, we're talking... 30-some-odd years after I was watching them on TV, you know, those are guys that, as an adult, I, I will shell out my, my hard-earned money. And I don't have kids, so I'm not bringing my kids to these legends. I am going there because I admire these guys enough, and I want to meet them. I want to shake their hands. I want to ask a question or two. Um, you've heard us do interviews here on this show. We, uh, we interview these legends and, and how, mu- how much Dave and I are taken back. Uh, 30 years from now, 30 years from from 2015, and when you have the 10-year-old, the person who's 10 years old right now, the kid that is 10 years old watching pro wrestling right now, is that child, when he's 40 years old, is he spending his hard-earned money to go out and meet Dean Ambrose, to go out and meet Dolph Ziggler, 
um, to go and meet you know, Tyler Breeze, Seth Rollins, whomever. Are we going to see those adults when they're 30 years down the line saying, yeah, I want to meet them, or is it just going to be, you know, that was something I was into as a kid and, you know, I, I, I don't need to go. I, I don't know. Uh, but there's part of me that thinks that uh, I don't know if, if these guys will have the cachet in the historical context um, like the guys in, in our uh, in our history. So it remains to be seen, and I'm curious what you guys think. I might be completely wrong. Food for thought, 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. Let us know what you think. Is the WWE broken? Can we fix it? What are your thoughts on fixing it? But right now it's time for our break with the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Good evening, and after a knockdown drag out affair with that chicken shit heel known as the flu, my demise was short lived. This is the return of the day 55050 news report, and helping to facilitate this return, reinstating this report in President Jack Cunny fashion, 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network, the one stop shop in pro wrestling podcasts. Subscribe for free on iTunes right now to listen to a plethora of pro wrestling podcasts as the evolution of pro wrestling banter continues to grow only on 1640 PWPR. Okay, enough of the shameless plugs. It's time I get back into action. On to the news. In my absence, it was reported that TNA Wrestling had signed a brand new TV deal with Pop TV. The partnership will begin with a live Impact Wrestling broadcast from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on Tuesday, January the 5th, 2016. Following that episode, Tuesdays will be the new home for Impact Wrestling. Details on the partnership are scattered, but reports out now state that the deal is a multi-year partnership and that TNA will be looking to tape more TV and tour more frequently than they did in 2015. No word on if Pop TV will help fund touring for TNA, but with the announcement of the partnership, many have suggested that to be true. TNA, however, will not be paying Pop TV for the airtime, and Pop will not be paying TNA to air impact. It looks as if both sides look to gain revenue from advertising during the show's time slot. It's also stated by TNA President Dixie Carter that the new network could be reached in over 84 million homes, more than Destination America. However, it's being reported that number is being exaggerated when, in fact, POP is available in over 74 million homes, just 10 million shy. Other reports out speculate that this deal may not be any better for TNA than the deal they had with Destination America. Not getting paid rights fees to air impact on the network is the main reason, but another reason why that's true is due to the fact that POP TV does not have HD programming available on most cable outlets. Nonetheless, TNA has found a home again, and already it's being rumored that the company is reaching out to big names in the industry to appear on the debut episode on Pop. Those names have not been revealed at this time. It's also being speculated that as a part of the debut episode, the company will crown their new world heavyweight champion. Sticking with TNA, the company announced that they have postponed their upcoming tour of India. The talent were set to depart this past weekend, and company officials informed talent that due to logistics and security issues that the tour was postponed. The talent were set to fly into both Germany and France, and then from there to India. With terrorist attacks taking place recently in France, company officials didn't want to take a chance. Other reports out state that the postponing was only due to logistics and timing issues. It's also being speculated that the talent will be paid due to the postponement taking place on such short notice. 
DNA hopes to tour India in the early part of 2016, as they are under contract with Sony 6, who's helping fund the tour. Their agreement entails that TNA tours India once a year, so there will definitely be a tour in 2016. Courtesy of the Wrestling Observer, Ring of Honor tag team Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly are another tandem that is on WWE's radar as of late. The team is currently undergoing contract negotiations with Ring of Honor, and word is that those talks have stalled, which have given WWE an opening to sign the popular team. This isn't the first Ring of Honor tag team that could possibly be NXT-bound, as I reported here on the day five two weeks ago that Ring of Honor tag team champs The Kingdom, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven, are also in WWE's sights to join the NXT brand. The company is actively seeking top independent talent to help beef up the NXT roster when they begin to tour on a full-time basis within the next year. As of this writing, this is all speculation. More bad news for Randy Orton. It was reported this week via PW Insider that the Viper could be out of action much longer than the rumored six to nine months. It's being reported that Orton could possibly need neck surgery, and he could be out an additional three to six months. This neck surgery is to remove bone chips in his neck, but speculation is that it could be a lot worse, which would require neck fusion surgery with a longer rehabilitation time. Doctors won't know how serious the next surgery is until they can clear him once the surgery for his separated shoulder has healed appropriately. And in our final story this week, it looks as if WWE may have cleared Daniel Bryan to return to the ring, according to speculation by the Wrestling Observer. But there's a catch. Dave Meltzer speculated that WWE not clearing Bryan to return to active competition is not because of the company looking out for his long-term health company is fully aware he can return, but the delay in his return is due to WrestleMania plans. Daniel Bryan is clear to return, and WWE were to bring him back on TV in the very near future, then his return could possibly change the company's WrestleMania plans for a third year in a row. Meltzer speculated that this could be internal politics based off of Bryan's popularity and the fact that his overwhelming fan base screwed up WrestleMania plans two years in a row, something the company is careful in preventing, according to Meltzer. Anything can change between now and WrestleMania season, but with the amount of injuries that have mounted up within WWE this year and more recently, Bryan's presence and star power could help storylines heading into WrestleMania, regardless of the role he's being given. There you have it, folks. Despite the grueling battle with the flu, the kids still got it. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Dave 55050 News Report. You can find a transcript of this report on both 1640 PWPR and the Ken Reedy Show Facebook pages following tonight's broadcast. That's all for this report. I'm making the hot tag to Ken to get the second half of the best in pro wrestling talk in high gear. Good stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting getting getting into a... You know, I've heard the stories, too, about Daniel Bryan. Who knows? I mean, again, we always say take the dirt sheets uh, stuff with a grain of salt. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting the, the whole landscape of pro wrestling and how it's changed. And... Um, you know, the Daniel Bryan issue is something I, I really see both sides of the coin on this. Now, on one hand, like, and I, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million and one. Right now, um, if I'm running a multi-billion dollar corporation, uh, entertainment corporation, and um, I have a Daniel Bryan as a, a commodity, um, he's not sniffing a title. No way in hell this dude is sniffing a title. Uh, when he gets back, uh, you know. Now again, you wonder with the writers because, as I said previously, 
Um, you know, I used to enjoy those, uh, you know, those rivalries of two guys who really just don't like each other, and you don't really get that visceral, uh, you know, hatred between guys uh, with a real, you know, real good writing anymore. Um, but that's what I'd want to see out of Daniel Bryan, just to see if he could remain healthy. Um, so as far as the WWE goes, on one hand, I, I see their point. Uh, you know, the guy's been down with an injury. Uh, question marks abound as far as his availability. You're getting close to WrestleMania season. And you got fans out there that, like, you know, if, if he's not in, in the main event, if, if Daniel Bryan is not exactly where we want him to be, well, we will sit here and boo everything. We will just boo everything. And that that's a that's a mentality that's out there. Now it could be uh symptomatic of, of what's going on in, in in a grander scale in the world of pro wrestling. Um for myself as a wrestling fan, and uh, you know, I'm gonna get a little uh maybe a little dramatic and esoteric here, but I, I always see my thing with pro wrestling is I always looked at, at pro wrestling as uh as classic drama, good versus evil, uh classic theater, if you will. And I always looked at, you know, when people say, well, you know, people debate, uh, you know, the audience, the crowd, uh, is it, are they part of the show? Are they not part of the show? And I've always believed that the crowd is part of the show in a way. I don't think the crowd is, in a, is the part of the show to become the lead or to hijack the show, as so many crowds uh, seem to like to do nowadays. I don't like that. As a fan, I do not like that. I always looked at the wrestling crowd as almost, when you looked at classic drama in ancient times, uh, where there'd be a chorus uh, in, in old drama, uh, you know, in Greek, uh, Greek ancient times, that, uh, you know, there'd be a chorus that would uh, help facilitate the action, help explain what was going on in certain scenes. Uh, um, have you seen Little Shop of Horrors, the... Uh, the three singing babettes uh, or whatever they were called was kind of modeled after the Greek chorus and classic drama. I always looked at the wrestling crowd as that. That it was almost like we were the crowd, we were the chorus uh, as far as classic drama. So our job was not to hijack. Our job was not to steal focus. Our job as a wrestling crowd was to continue to facilitate the storyline and to boo the heels, to cheer the baby faces. And to kind of get into the storylines. And for me as a wrestling fan, if there's a wrestler that I just don't like, um, that I really, for whatever reason, I, I just remain silent. I don't boo them. Because in the grand scheme of things, the worst thing uh, for a wrestler is when the crowd is uh, quiet. So, uh, you know, I'm not that type of fan. I've always been the type to, to help facilitate the storylines, uh, whether it's independent wrestling or WWE or whatever. That's That's my feeling on the crowd being part of it. So on one hand, I, I do see like Daniel Bryant, if you're healthy if he, and, and if he is great and he'd come back and he could be a real shot in the arm for the WWE. Uh, he could be something really special. His comeback, you know, obviously would get a huge pop. Um, but he is one of those things that you saw last year. I mean, Dave, God forbid, I mean, God forbid they bring Daniel Bryant back for the Royal Rumble and, and he doesn't win. I just feel like they're going to shit on whoever happens to win. And, and you know, when you look at the WWE, as much as we're, we're, we're faulting creative for a lot of what's going on, you know, when you're trying to facilitate that road to WrestleMania and write substantial storylines, it, it is something that you have to take into account on how the modern-day wrestling crowd is going to react to certain things. 
Well, you know, you, you make you make a lot of great points there in, in your argument, and I would I would tend to agree with you. I'm kind of on both sides here, um, or I can at least see both sides of the coin. Uh, in regards to the Daniel Bryan situation, um, I think the reason why, and I've said this before on the show a million times, and I don't blame the audience for necessarily being vocal about it. I think they were a little too vocal, and they kind of took it a little too far, but you know what? Who am I to say a wrestling crowd taking it a little too far? Professional wrestling, okay? But Brian, the circumstances surrounding, you know, almost two years ago, his big push, getting into WrestleMania's main event because of the audience, because they wanted to see him, the overwhelming, you know, backlash. He wasn't in the Rumble that year, and then he gets the title, and then all of a sudden after he gets the title, he gets hurt, and he's out for a while. And then he returns, and he makes his big return, and they announce him as a part of the Royal Rumble. Well, everybody thought at this point, well, shit, you know. He didn't get his opportunity. He didn't get the run he deserved. He's going to win and get the run he deserves. We want to see it. And he didn't get that. He was eliminated early to, to sh- shock to many, okay? And the audience was very vocal about it. On the, on the, uh, in that same, on that same highway was com- coming was Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns, albeit he was very popular, he was his character was doing uncharacteristic things, and it was and the audience could see. Like I, I'll say it best if if the audience looked at him like he was Santa Claus, they weren't buying it. Okay, but plain and simple, and they were they were both in the same path to WrestleMania, and Reigns just happened to be the wrong guy at the wrong place at the wrong time in terms of you know the Daniel Bryan and the fan situation. Okay, I agree with you. If you were to bring Daniel Bryan back you don't have him go anywhere near the title picture whatsoever because you don't want to take that chance in him screwing up WrestleMania plans. But I think his popularity and the fact that he's a good wrestler and his character, I think it's needed for this WrestleMania. Um, there's three options you could go with bringing Daniel Bryan back if they wanted to bring him back. One, you could have him enter as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble, and he gets involved in the Royal Rumble match with let's just for argument's sake say a Brock Lesnar, okay? And somehow he flukes, eliminates Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble. Lesnar comes back in the ring. He destroys him and eliminates Brian. There you go. You're off to the races. You set the two of them up. You put Brian in a big marquee match. Audience would love to see a Brian lesnar match. In fact, that's what they wanted to see at last year's WrestleMania for the title. You give them those two in a big marquee match at WrestleMania, not for the title, that's something that could work. Second option, you don't have Brian come back at the Royal Rumble. You don't even have him come back at Fastlane, okay? With this new partnership that WWE and ESPN has, you have Brian promote WrestleMania the Tuesday before Mania when WWE does the media rounds with all the with, with, with all the media heading into WrestleMania. That's their that's their media day for their Super Bowl on Tuesday. You have Brian on Sports Center on a live Sports Center getting interviewed by coach. He's promoting WrestleMania. They go to ask him the question about his injuries, bing bing boom. He announces he's returning at WrestleMania as a participant in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. You kind of add some prestige to that match by adding a big name like Daniel Bryan. At the same time, you're protecting him in a, and putting him in a spot where it's not going to be – it's not going to kill you if something happens to him and may screw up the plans for that match because you have 29 other options in that battle royal if you wanted Daniel Bryan to win that. But you, you kind of add some prestige to that match. Or third, 
you don't put him at all involved in WrestleMania whatsoever, and you wait to announce his return the night after WrestleMania, which is one of the biggest Raws of the year in terms of viewership, and then that's when you bring him back. But I think the third – I don't agree with the third option. I think the first two options would be something that's viable. But don't put Brian anywhere near the title picture. But in my opinion – on a final note, when it comes to the situation with Daniel Bryan, he's overwhelmingly popular. He's a very talented athlete. He's organically became a fan favorite amongst the WWE fan base and professional wrestling in general. And I think WWE, a lot of times, they don't. I think in this case with Bryan, they're missing. They've missed the boat on him. I think they do look out for his long-term health, but at the same time, I, I don't think that they use him to his full potential. I think he can be somebody that can if he's healthy, can help carry them into the next phase of, 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 their, of the company's evolution. The problem is, though, the if he's healthy is a, is a huge if right now. Yeah. And, you know, again, I mean, you know, we're all hoping as wrestling fans that we want to see him back. Um, but I do think, you know, he is someone that, uh, you know, he's he's very talented. And, again, another statement where, uh, you know, no disrespect, but it's uh, – uh, you know, it might be a, a stopgap. I, I mean, you know, Daniel Bryan is great, and he would be great. It would be great to have him back. It would be great, you know, if they, they use him properly. But we're still looking at week in and week out, three-hour Raws that need to be fixed. We still, we, you know, we'll have Daniel Bryan uh, uber popular and, and using him however, but uh, there, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. And just because... You know, again, you hear a lot of wrestling fans, you know, they want to see Daniel Bryan. They want to see Owens uh, pushed. They want to see Ambrose pushed. Uh, you know, you, you know, the Internet wrestling fan wants all these things. But I, I, I don't necessarily see, you know, any one thing working here. I, I, I think it's, it's a systemic problem that they need to uh, fix the shows top to bottom. Uh, you know, right now I think Raws have been entertaining largely – because of what New Day is doing. Uh, you know, I think New Day has been tremendously entertaining. But it goes with New Day, and, and I love New Day, and I'm a fan of what they're doing. But it does go back to that idea of, you know, am I enjoying Raw because it's a wrestling program, or am I enjoying Raw because it's a variety show? And, and a lot of times, in all honesty, and let's all be honest with ourselves, you know, after Monday Night Raw is over, and if you enjoyed Monday Night Raw... And you enjoyed New Day. And again, I think New Day is probably the best thing going right now as far as your entertainment value. But I got to admit, after Monday Night Raw is over, if I enjoyed it, I'm talking about, oh, do you remember when, when uh, you know, Big E started, uh, you know, gr grinding uh, on the apron with his tongue out? Like, that was hilarious. And, uh, oh, and when, uh, you know, Xavier, like, busted out the trombone or when they – I'm never saying, like, oh, remember this move or that move or, or – you know, you know, it's it's. I'm always thinking about the the ancillary stuff, the the funny stuff, the comic relief stuff. Um, you know, so it's. I mean, it, it's you got to get back to that. You got to get back to that stuff. You know, in ring, like mattering a little more. Um, you know, now, now maybe I could be wrong. Now, you know, again, you go through. You know, periods of time where you look at wrestling, and you start to think. You know, is it just me? You know, am I old? And I'm just out of touch, and this is what wrestling is now, and I need to accept the fact that it's, you know, it's not even wrestling. It's sports entertainment. Um, but when you look at ratings being at a record low, then you realize it's not just me. And it's not just me being an old school guy. 
uh, people are gravitating away from pro wrestling. And, you know, the other thing with the internet wrestling fan and, and the fan base now, you know, a lot of what you're getting, you're not getting those mainstream fans anymore that are watching pro wrestling. You're getting, you know, you know, again, no disrespect, but the marks, the, the guys that like wrestling is their entire life. You know, their, their universe revolves around wrestling. And, uh, so you know the fan base changes a lot. That internet wrestling fan is is the uh, most rabid fan base in pro wrestling. You don't have that mainstream crossover. Um, so you know as much as Daniel Bryan coming back would be great, it'd be great to see him. Uh, there's still stuff I think they need to change top to bottom in on uh, WWE programming um, to make it a more uh, entertaining, believable, uh, viable mode of wrestling entertainment. Let's go out to the phones. Uh, so we have Rocky, who's been on hold for a while. Let's bring him up. Uh, Rocky, how you doing tonight? Doing good, guys. What's going on? Not much. Just, you know, again, uh, using as a uh, jumping-off point, Mick Foley with a very uh, pointed uh, blog today. Again, using one of my favorite quotes, uh, paraphrasing Einstein, the definition of insanity is uh, trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Um, you know this this uh, this uh, methodology of presenting raw is uh, maybe it's dated. You know, I I keep saying go back to the old school. Maybe there's uh, something else that we're not even thinking of. But uh, uh, historically low ratings definitely is is a bad sign, and we're looking at uh, ways to tweak it. And you know, you gave us a call, so give us uh, your thoughts on what we've been getting out of Monday Night Raw lately. Well, yeah, I def I did catch that uh, that blog post from Mick, and you you definitely cannot discount uh, uh, his opinion, his take on it, with no knowing what he knows uh, of the behind the scenes workings. And honestly, you know, looking at WWE right now as a whole, I can definitely agree with him. Uh, we we've speculated many times on what kind of cre- what kind of control creative keeps over the talent and we can definitely see when talent is pushed into roles whereas they you know they never thought it was a good idea from the get go or never fit their character from the get go and I'll use the example of Bo Dallas um Bo Dallas gifted competitor he did good stuff in NXT but giving him that whole believe angle, uh, you know, every camera shot, you looked at his face, you can tell he was barely half buying the angle he was given. Now, whether that's a knock against creative or a knock against the talent for not accepting what they, you know, what they get, that's debatable. But in my estimation, uh, going off of what Mick Foley said, you know, you got to give the guys room to sink or swim. Um, the The crowd... You know, the crowd, by and large, are not dumb. You can tell when a performer is comfortable with their performance. You can tell when a performer is not. And if you're forcing something on him that he never thought was a good idea in the first place, then the whole thing just falls flat. You know, that being said... You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have your victories. You're gonna have your failures. And right now with the WWE, I think they do need to step back. It's definitely a systemic problem. And there's no one, you know, one aha epiphany that will fix the whole thing. But as a start, I think they need to step back and they need to simplify the story. 
like you said, Ken, the the old story was good versus evil. You know, not a lot of not a lot of swerves, not a lot of you know uh, side stories. Just basically good versus evil. And even when you tr- do the transition from the '80s to the Attitude Era to now, I'm not saying that the good versus evil story will always hold up. I think. And during the time between the transition between the 80s and the Attitude Era, people were kind of getting tired of that story a little bit, and then they they stuck in the uh, they stuck in the antihero, which at that time was something different, and it revitalized the whole thing. And I think what they've gotten into, especially with the knowledge of some of the writers, are. are professional writers they're not they're not wrestling fans they pull them from soap operas how are you going to get people who have never been professional wrestling fans to do writing for a wrestling show you know it, to, to me the whole thing it, you know just defies common sense so you know get people who are wrestling fans deep to their core i've been watching this since i was a kid i know what goes on i know how to tell a story it's going to be good versus evil, and we're going to, that's the way we're going to present it. And I think, you know, there, you might go through a couple of pain points, but I think if you, if you take that step back and simplify the telling of the story, I think you're going to start to see the mainstream audience start to really connect because the, the audience, they, they want to be entertained. They want to be told the story. And, you have your good versus evil, you, 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 and you don't have to stick to that metric. And another storyline that I'll use as an example that I thought was a very good storyline back in the day was, if you remember, Ken, the Holly Cousins versus the Dudley. And it was essentially, at its base, a Romeo and Juliet story with, between Spike Dudley and Molly Holly. And I remember back in the day thinking that was really, really entertaining, and it really engaged me, and I was really into the matches that surrounded it. And you had great performers who put on great matches and who told a great story. And I think that's definitely a step in the right direction for the WWE. What do you think? I mean, you gave us a lot of stuff there. I mean, you know, the writing, I definitely think that there has to be. I mean, probably, you know, from what I've heard, there's there's so many writers and, you know, there's not, I mean, you heard the stories of, you know, Chris Jericho uh, being handed a script from a writer and, and throwing it in the garbage, you know, in front of the writer. Um, you know, how many guys have the uh, the stroke to be able to do that? Um, and, I, and I think that probably less writers, because I've heard rumors that there's a team of writers. Uh, you need writers that, if not are, are hardcore fans, at least uh are in the business or have have been in the business, um, you know, and I think those are all good points. And, and I, I hear you. I, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, you bring up uh, Bo Dallas, and he was a guy that, you know, he's almost the poster child uh, for a guy that, you know, every time he came out, like he looked awkward with his own character. It just didn't, it didn't seem to fit. Uh, There's nothing about him. That that looked motivational, speakery, you know, and I think of guys like Tim Robbins, um, you know, Tom Cruise character, Magnolia, you know, I, there was nothing about Bo Dallas that that said to me he's a motivational speaker, except his stupid tagline, and 
It, it just it, to me, it never worked for me. And you're right, a talented guy, a guy who comes from a talented family, um, and it just never seemed to work. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the Dudleys and the Hollies, you know, Romeo and Juliet, like, they, that's just it. I mean, you could simplify the storytelling um, and tweak it now and then um, and just, you know, make it work. I mean, it just, it, it works better. You know, the in-ring psychology, uh, you know, really get back to that psychology. I mean, I think in-ring... You know, you're, you're talking a lot of stuff, Rocky, about the writing. Uh, in-ring, you know, a little more in-ring psychology, uh, a little more selling, um, you know, registering uh, certain moves, you know, making moves matter. Um, you know, don't have a 15-minute match for the sake of having a 15-minute match. You know, when you get hit with something, you got to register. Um, you know, and again, and, and then part of the problem is like some of these, these things that you, these issues that creep up in the WWE, it, it's ironic that the spotlight is almost shined on them um, brighter as, as far as their errors uh, through the network. Uh, because some of the old stuff you watch on the network, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's how it should be done. And, and, you know, I was watching, yeah, you know, Arn Anderson versus Mike Jackson. Uh, Mike Jackson, a, a, a enhancement talent, you know, back in the day, a jobber. And, you know, the moveset was simple between the two of them. There was psychology involved. Um, no no crazy spots. Um, great pacing by Arn Anderson. Arn playing the consummate heel. Uh, even though he's in the ring with a jobber, he's being that heel. He's being cowardly at times. He's telling that story between the ropes. And you're seeing, you know, a hell of a lot of psychology in a match with a star and a jobber. And... You know, that that dynamic, you know, between stars is kind of missing as far as that, that in-ring psychology. So, you know, I think you brought up a lot of points. I think that the thing is, you know, again, it's not a quick fix what we're looking at with the WWE. There's a lot of things they can tweak and change to at least start moving in the right direction. But it's not a quick fix. And I want, Dave, to, you know, your thoughts on some of the points that Rocky brought to the table. Well, you know, like you said, like the the one point that really, you know, struck with me was the fact that about the Bo Dallas situation, how he just didn't feel comfortable in his character. You know, I mean, we don't know, the three of us and our listeners, we truly don't know the inner workings of how things work, but it just seems to me that a lot of these characters that have been brought to our attention on TV, that a lot of these guys really don't believe that character. They're doing their best to play this part. And it's just not resonating very well on the television screen. There's the current roster today, aside from Undertaker, okay? The current roster today, you could probably count on one hand of guys whose characters are believable and that they believe in those characters and they they portray that character very well. Bray Wyatt and his Wyatt fan. Well, I'm, I shouldn't say the Wyatt. It's just Bray Wyatt in general. Him, okay. He's he he he's investing into this character by putting so much into it. I mean, he came he helped come up with it, from what I've read. I've heard stories that he's the one that really came up with this character. He believed in it. It was something that that, that caught WWE's attention, and they ran with it. And he's putting so much into it. They let him do that. Okay. I don't know how much freedom they're giving everybody to to, to do that sort of thing. Okay. I mean. Here's another guy, for instance, Zack Ryder, 
All right, I know he's a, a, a completely different on a, on a completely different spectrum than Bray Wyatt. But here's a guy who the company saw nothing in him. They still see nothing in him. Let's face it, okay? But he took his free time to have the most downloaded wrestling show on YouTube, and they took his character, this this uh, Broski character that he had. And they started to use it on TV a little bit, and then they ended up getting the rights to his YouTube show and put it on their put his show on their YouTube channel. Okay, they didn't follow through after that by using him more frequently and developing his character even more. But you look, especially during that era when Jersey Shore was super popular, everybody watched him in the ring and thought, "Well, yeah, he's believable. He's definitely one of those those Guido guys," and he believed in that character too. Okay, it's I just don't think that. And I said this earlier, and, and I agree with Rocky on the Bo Dallas point. I just don't think that a lot of these guys are given enough creative freedom to come up with something on their own. And I think WWE at times is, I wouldn't say desperate, but they're quick to throw somebody out there on TV to try and get their investment back so quickly. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. And one, one more point I want to make uh, before you guys let me go is that uh, as far as the use of, of big-name talent in the main event, or let me rephrase the, the phrase you used, was the talent of yesteryear. And, again, we, we've had discussions about where talent should be used and where's the meat and potatoes, and I can definitely agree that while your big-name talent should not be your main event, they, got, they have to be interjected in some way just to, because the point of them is simply their notoriety. They are there to bring the people in. In my, in my opinion, they're there to bring people in. Your main event sure is great, but the meat and potatoes of your show should be your mid-card. Your mid-card should, should be causing the people to sit up and take notice, like, wow, these guys are, are really great. And in, in the fact that Raw is the three hours that it is. One thing I also feel is being that Raw is three hours, take an hour, and you don't have to have it all at once. You don't intersperse it in, intersperse it in the show up to a total of an hour and showcase your NXT talent to peak interest and bring people into the NXT fold because, you know, I know – I know you guys watch every once in a while. I watch every once in a while the NXT stuff. And those guys are really, you know, they're taking the old school lessons. In my opinion, they're taking the old school lessons to heart. And they're really putting on a good product. I I, I will say this. I, I, I disagree with you on the NXT point. The only reason why I disagree with you on it is because the NXT product is a different product than the main roster. And it's a niche product. It's very, I relate it to what, ECW was in a sense in terms of being so different, not necessarily like hardcore elements or anything like that, but it's WWE's version of the indies. Okay. If you showcase NXT talent on the main roster and they blow it out of the water. Okay. Then you're creating an animal that you might not be able to control with the audience by demanding to see these guys on the main roster every single week. The, the, the purpose of NXT is to, Yes, develop the future of WWE, but not everybody from NXT is going to be making it up to the main roster. But a 
lot of guys in NXT might have a successful career in WWE helping build the NXT brand. And I just think that if you intermingle the two, then it takes away from the unique factor that NXT has being that niche product that it is. Well, and there you have it. So, Rocky, good stuff as always. Thanks a lot for the call, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, buddy. You know, it's interesting what Rocky brings up, and you know, I, I think I think there might be like a, you know a a happy medium somewhere. And, and again, like when we look at you know, we just came off a Survivor Series, and we talked a lot about Survivor Series. And again, with the uh, the way the writing's gone, you know, I, I personally would have loved to have seen uh, you know more quote-unquote traditional Survivor Series matches. And, uh, you know, there's a, you know, if the writing's going to take time off this time of year, uh, you know, I don't understand why, again, three-hour Raw. Why can't you have, you know, these two guys are captains of their teams. They're wrestling to see who gets the first pick. You know, uh, you have, like, matches to determine teams. You know, you can do that all leading up to Survivor Series. And I think to Rocky's point, I don't. I agree with you, Dave. You know, the NXT brand is something special. It's something unique. It's something, uh, you know, it's it's an independent style of pro wrestling. But uh, you know, maybe you have like an NXT team versus another NXT team uh, uh, during Survivor Series at the, uh, you know, on on the pre-show. Uh, you know, maybe you sprinkle in some NXT at times throughout the year uh, to to kind of enhance things. Um, you know, that might be a way, so it's not every pay-per-view, but uh, they're sprinkled in at times. Maybe you get a couple entrants, uh, you know, obviously in, like, the Royal Rumble or in the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it's everyone just trying to come up with uh, certain ideas. But I do agree with as much as, you know, what, what Rocky was bringing up, and, and I, I agree with you, Dave, like, the, the special nature, if NXT uh, is occupying the mid-card every pay-per-view, uh, that could wind up being a pro- a bigger problem for the WWE. Um, however, you know, he brings up a good point, and, and a lot of, you know, the the matches we remember of yesteryear were like mid-card matches that we enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I think Rocky used the term that your bread and butter, or meat and your, your meat and potatoes is your mid-card. And, um, you know, you, you really need that mid-card to matter. You need you need the, uh, the, the mid-level belts, titles to, to matter. And, uh, you know, I think they've gotten a little bit better with those titles uh, mattering. I think John Cena did a tremendous job with the U.S. title. Um, But it's still, to me, they don't develop the mid-card enough uh, because fans are always clamoring for their guy, their guy, their favorite in the mid-card to to move up. And, And for me, when I was a wrestling fan, I mean, when guys did move up, I was happy for them. I was excited, but I never sat there watching wrestling as a kid, uh, you know, thinking, uh, geez, they need to move Don Morocco up. Why, why is Enrique Steamboat in the main event? You know, I never thought like that as a kid, uh, but it's different now, and I think it's partially because uh, the mid-card uh, winds up being largely underdeveloped. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other thing, too, you know, to, to that point that you make is, you know, wrestling was a different time. Back then, we weren't on, so there was no such thing as the Internet, let alone social media, that, you know, you can get any kind of news or speculation at your fingertips at the, at the drop of a hat like there is nowadays, where you, where you can 
read stories, whether they're true or not, about the inner workings of the behind the scenes of WWE and, and their and their creative process. You didn't have that back then. Um, and like I said earlier, wrestling was presented in a much different form. You didn't have a three-hour show every single week where you saw all the top guys. You saw certain guys each week and, you know, somewhat of a rotation, I guess you would say, and it, and it made, you know, the absence of, you know, made the heart grow fonder on particular individuals that you liked or maybe even disliked, but you still wanted to see them on TV. Um, so I think it's, a, I, I, I go back and forth sometimes in my head when I think about how much better the product in terms of the creative and the storytelling could be. And then I think to myself, am I too old? And did we have, were we spoiled as wrestling fans back in the day and that this is just the way the business is and we're the old timers that were, we're like the old timers that were complaining about how the business was changing in the mid to late 80s when Vince McMahon took it over and went from making it national to a worldwide global phenomenon. You know what I mean? Not saying that like we were, you know, that, that Ken and I are like the, the old time promoters that, are upset that we've been phased out, you know, by Vince McMahon, but we're the old-time wrestling fans that I wouldn't say are upset, but we're kind of disappointed in, in the, the, the lack of creativity in the storytelling um, in, in today's current WWE product. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, there's no denying that, uh, you know, you grow up with something and, and you like the way it's presented and, you know, it changes. But I, I, I don't necessarily, like, I, I want to see, like, a you know, maybe it's something new. You know, maybe it's something, you know, an amalgam of, uh, you know, styles. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, again, the, the ratings are where they are. That's, that's uh, you know, that's that's black and white. You know, it's not, you know, us being older saying, oh, God, you know, we, we hate what wrestling's become. I mean, you know, it's it's not finding that that crowd, and you know, I, I just I'm I'm waiting for that new wave, and I guess part of it's like you know, you know, for me, I grew up in the '80s, and you know, had that wrestling boom with, with Hulkamania, and, and wrestling you know blew up, and Vince taking over, and going across America, and and uh, you know, changing the landscape of wrestling. Then there was a low, uh, you know, very late '80s, early '90s. Uh, then, but then you had another explosion with the Monday Night Wars, the Attitude Era, where wrestling was huge again. And, and for me, I mean, I'm older than you, Dave. Like I was an adult, and you went to wrestling shows, and grown ass men were going to wrestling shows. I'd go out to the bar, and people had Austin 316 shirts on, and NWO shirts on, and your mainstream individuals. It wasn't just a niche crowd. You know, people in the mainstream were into wrestling. Uh, you go into a bar uh, late on a Saturday night, and ECW was playing on the TV in the bar. You know, I mean, Jesus, to get wrestling played on a bar, you got to practically beg the bartender to put it on. And then there's always someone there that's being like, oh, who wants this crap on? So, you know, it's I, I think that part of it is, is growing up and being nostalgic as far as where we grew up. But at the same time, you can't lie. I mean, it, it's, ratings aren't lies, you know, and you look at what's going on. And, and to me, that there's got to be a change. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you got to scrap everything. Uh, but the interesting thing is when I look at the roster and you look at guys like, 
you know, like an Ambrose, like a Reigns, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, the athleticism the new divas are bringing in, what New Day is doing, the Usos, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, Del Rio coming back. Uh, the talent pool is deep. I, I do think at times over, you know, in recent memory, uh, you know, especially early 2000s, I think we got to a point, or mid-2000s, where, uh, you know, the talent level uh, may not have been that great in the WWE. There's a lot of talent right there. Um, there's a lot of talent to really beef up the mid-card. There's a lot of talent to, to give you some really good, substantial mid-card storylines so you can get the three hours to, to not feel like three hours. Um, so I think the talent's there. It's just really figuring out a better way to use them and, and bring back uh, that, that mainstream fan that, that just is, has gone away from pro wrestling. Let's go back out to the phones. we got Mike, who's on the line. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Hey, good, guys. I agree with uh, a lot of what you guys what you guys were talking about. Um, you want to talk about mid-card. Mid, mid look at look at WrestleMania three. You know, the biggest thing was Andre the Giant versus Hulk, and uh, who came out of the shining light um, was none other than Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Macho Man Randy Savage. So, you know, two good mid-carders um, right there. And then you guys talk, and then you guys were talking about um, all the other stuff with you know who's successful, you know, like a Bo Dallas. You know, look at what happened to Adam Rose. Adam Rose fizzled out. How about Fondango? He fizzled out pretty much. Um, you know, so so and the ascent and the ascension, um, they tanked. They tanked. So you know, you know this stuff right here. Um, you know, when you, and you're talking about wrestling fans, I remember going into a bar, and I remember the bartender saying, "ECW is the only wrestling um, that we will that we will put on." I remember going into a bar and seeing Just Incredible in the bar. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, you bring up a good point, and the one thing also, you know, to remember, you know, with Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man WrestleMania three, it's a mid card match. Uh, a match that, that, you know, a lot of people's opinions stole the show. But remember also that that, that was a mid-card match that had a nice, long, substantial storyline attached to it. And you had oh, yeah. Macho Man who attacked Ricky Steamboat with the ring bell and, and crushed his larynx. And uh, then yeah. Ricky Steamboat had to go to, to speech therapy to learn how to talk again and... and uh, George the Animal Steel that had a thing for Elizabeth that was go- he was going to be in in Ricky Steamboat's corner and there was also there was a well developed storyline going into it before you had this five star matchup and and that's just it you know when you bring that up Mike as great as that match was the storyline was just you know that much better it gave you you know it wasn't just the athleticism because today a lot of these guys tremendous athletes what they can do in the ring is ridiculous. But the story surrounding why why they're doing that in the ring is, is not really being fleshed out completely. And that storyline, you got a five star match, and you got a five star program leading up to that match. And you know, it's it's something that you know to me, it's like we're we're sorely missing as far as uh, the storytelling uh, in the mid card. And and I don't know what your thoughts are. I mean, I know you're a big fan and you love wrestling. Um, but at times it's tough to sit through three hours of Monday Night Raw. You know, it, it was it's it's funny, and and I know you guys will remember this. When Monday Night Raw started, they were an hour. 
and then they went to two hours. And when they went to two hours, they were competing with a, a third hour of Nitro. And, uh, you know, and they were going head-to-head with Monday Nitro. And, you know, I was flipping back and forth, and everybody was flipping. And nowadays, it's like, okay, like you said, three hours of Raw, maybe cut it back to two hours. And, you know what, kick, kick, out, the, um, kick out these writers. You know, have guys like the Road Dog write the script. I mean, come on. Have guys like, well, not Billy Gunn because he's out, but have guys that were in wrestling actually wrestling do it. I mean, and also, what would, you know, I know you guys remember these gimmicks. How about Mantar? How about The Goon? How about um, Man Mountain Rock? How about Duke the Dumpster Drozzy? I mean, I can go on and on and on. I mean, it's just these, these gimmicks that were put in front of us, um, they were horrible. How about T, um, T.L. or T.J. Hopper? How about Aldo Montoya? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we can go on and on and on. If, if, if someone told me, the biggest thing is if someone ever told me that, 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 this is, that Johnny Polo would become Raven and Raven would be the ECW champion, even with just incredible. I'd call you a liar. I mean, but uh, my my point though to this whole thing is is that what would the kids of today do in our day? I mean, you know, like even with the bold leaf character, you have a character like this guy. You know, he's supposed to be positive, and yet he's a bad guy. He's a heel. Look at the Brooklyn Brawler. The Brooklyn Brawler was just that. He really never went anywhere. He was never going to be an Intercontinental Champion, but he was well talked about, and people like to talk about him. And people used to say, "Where does he buy his clothes?" And you know, even Shawn Michaels. I mean, Michaels coming up. Um, you know, even Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was a great, um, you know, wrestler. But if someone would have said, "Hey, the Rockers were going to split up." Um, and he was going to be a champion. I'd call you a liar. I'd say, not yet. I don't think he's ready. But And he did, and he was a great mid-carder. Shawn Michaels was the best mid-carder. I, re- I remember when him and the Bulldogs had a had a, a, a beef. Hey, I got a question for you guys, though. WrestleMania 8, would you guys have rather seen Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that goes without saying. I mean, I mean, everyone was dying to see that matchup. What are your thoughts, Dave? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It, it, I, I would have liked to have seen that match. The reason why they said it never happened, because they said that they never drew big here. They put them in house shows. Um, I remember going to the garden and I seen Ric Flair. Actually, it's on the network, but I, I seen it in the garden. Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. And um, that match they put on like fourth. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, two of the greatest of all time. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that those guys main eventing WrestleMania. As far as you look at uh, yesteryear, where uh, you know they may have dropped the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, how could there have been a bigger WrestleMania? You guys than those read two the magazines. One of the magazines always said Hogan versus. The real champion. They always said that Ric Flair was the real champion and Hogan was the Vincent Man champion. And then look how that turned out for both of those careers. And Dave, you brought up a good point before. You know, all those old school promoters that that said, you know what, Vincent Man's out of his mind. 
look at where Vince is now. Look at where they are. They're on DVDs crying about how Vince screwed them over. And you know what? Vince McMahon's upper, and these guys are lower. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's a sad situation. But you guys are right. Change the way um, this is. And you know what? Mick Foley brought up some good points today. That's why I love Mick Foley. So, you know, that's all I have to say. But, guys, I'll talk to you next week. And, Dave, I'm glad you're feeling better from your flu. Good stuff, as always, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Easy. You know, and, and Dave, I mean, part of it, and I, I touched upon it earlier, and, uh, you know, I want to I round it out with this. I mean, I get it, you know, when you talk about that, you know, maybe we're just nostalgic, but um, I think that there's there's a there's a happy medium somewhere, and I do think, and, and almost with commentary, too, I mean, I've said it before with commentary and, and with in-ring psychology, um, you know, it, it's weird on, on some levels, uh you know, the network, it's, it's so ironic, it just makes it worse. Because uh, you watch some of the things on the network, and it's like, oh, that's that's how it should be done. Um, you know, I, I think bringing back some in-ring psychology, uh, you know, selling some moves, again, as, as Cornette said, uh, simulate a fight, you know. if uh, You know, you, get, you, you shouldn't be able to get dropped on your head 100 times in a match, you know. Uh, you, you know, make it make it seem a little more realistic. Uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a, a quick fix. Um, I think you got to bring. You know, I, I mean, personally, Dave. You know, as we we close this out and close the discussion out, and again, this is unusual for us because we're we're generally pretty happy-go-lucky, positive guys here. But uh, um, you know, Mick Foley, uh, I guess, opened a bit of a, a can of worms here. Um, you know, when when you look at it, I, I think that. As far as a fan, as far as being a fan, uh, being an old school fan, uh, I, I think there's there's room to create something new. And you have a talented roster. You have some talent that's coming up from NXT. Um, I, I am not of the belief. Uh, no, it's not time to go back to the Attitude Era. Uh, although some edgier programming at times I think would work. Um, do we need to see a ton of like chain wrestling every match? No. Do I think it would help every now and again to uh, just have more of that old school style sometimes? Yeah, I do. Uh, maybe a couple of characters if that's kind of their thing. I, you know, I, I think that would work. Uh, so I think there's there's kind of a happy medium. I do think, you know, one of those things. Do we need uh, bloodbaths uh, week in and week out on Monday Night Raw? Absolutely not. Uh, bring back a little bit of blood uh, during blow-off matches, uh, during matches that are going to occur in a main event on a pay-per-view that's after 10 o'clock, yeah, I think that would work. I think that would save some of your talent and, and their health. Uh, as far as, you know, rather than having to do a crazy spot, you just get a little nick with a razor blade. Um, so I think there's there's a, a mix of things that have worked in yesteryear, um, and, and you could create a, a, a new product, uh, something that will work for the future. So I don't necessarily think that we need to go backwards. I think we need to go forward, and I think the wrestling business and the WWE need to evolve uh, from where they are right now. Uh, but that evolution isn't completely going back to the Attitude Era or completely going back to the 80s or, or completely uh, becoming hardcore. I, I think it's, it's mixing in some of the things that worked from yesteryear and creating something uh, new and trendy and hip uh, going forward. But I think the bottom line, Dave, is 
something, at least as far as the ratings go, something's got to change. I totally agree. And I think, like you said, I think some elements from yesteryear, consistent storytelling, in-ring psychology, um, elements of old-school wrestling can still work and be placed in today's business, in today's product. Um, I think some of the presentation needs to change, like I said before. I think the main concern to get fresh ideas is to take is to pluck something out of pop culture, something that's really hot in pop culture and in mainstream media, and try to integrate that into your wrestling product. And I think the one I think the the one thing that WWE could really capitalize on that they haven't taken advantage of, and I'll say this quickly, is women's wrestling. Women's sports is a hot topic, and it has been for the over the past year with Ronda Rousey and what she's done for women in sports and in MMA. I mean, if WWE could capitalize on something like that and take that element of showcasing the importance of women in sports in in, in today's society into their product, I think it would definitely attract more viewers because people want to see women athletes kick ass. And I think the perfect example of starting that and really making it a real Divas revolution, there's a rumor tonight that they're going to sign Charlotte and Paige at the TLC event in a ladder match for the Divas title. That would be huge for the girls because it would show that you're making their matches important and it's not just some regular championship match. This is a big deal. And I think personally, if they were to make that match a ladder match for the TLC event, and considering the numbers that they've been doing, I would put them on last at TLC and let the girls shine in the main event on a WWE pay-per-view. As long as they treat the buildup from now until then as priority. And when I mean priority, I mean just as important as the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match at that event. I think that would really, that would really set the tone for, for, for viewers and, and let them know what WWE is intending to do when they portray their women wrestlers. I think that would be a start. Agreed, and stop calling them Davis. Stop calling them Davis. Uh, you know, maybe they're exactly. all just, you know, I mean, I'd love for them to go back to wrestlers, but maybe just call them all superstars. Uh, the Divas is antiquated and, and, you know, to me, borderline chauvinistic. So, uh, uh, maybe, but I, I agree with you, Dave. You know, that's, that's uh, you know, and be progressive. Be be the, be on the in the forefront, you know. Uh, you have the athletes. You got the, uh, the, the people who can do it, um, you know, move in that direction. So it remains to be seen. We threw out a lot of suggestions here on, uh, you know, what we could do to uh, improve upon the product, Monday Night Raw. Uh, the WWE product, and it remains to be seen what what may or may not happen, and uh, whether Mick Foley will continue to be a fan or not. Thank you all for tuning in this evening for another exciting edition of the Ken Reedy Show. Sorry for the technical difficulties, you guys who called. Thank you for bringing it. Uh, continue this conversation on our Facebook page. It's Facebook.com/slash The Ken Reedy Show. If you know you just thought of, thought of an idea. Pop on the Facebook page. Check it out there. We got the raw thread going right now. We went a little bit over tonight because uh, the technical difficulties. So, so what? Monday Night Raw is on right now. So, get on over there. Get on the Facebook page. Join the raw chat. We'll be back next week, 630, to get you ready for Monday Night Raw. For Ken, for Ken, I'm Dave. I was just about to say that. Wow. <laughs> for Dave. <laughs> 
And I'm Ken. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.